Hello, church. How are you guys doing? Did anybody float in? I was uh, picking up my uh, my middle son out. His uh, he was watching football film, and I was going over the bridge at Tanker Verde, and I looked to the right. I've never seen this in all my years of Tucson. I looked in the wash, and I saw a billowing wave coming. And it was taking trees and dust and everything else, and it was just this... I was looking for surfboards and all that kind of stuff, but the wave was only about this big. But uh, we got a lot of good rain, um, and uh, it was great being out there. Margo mentioned uh, the parking lot last week with that fun day. Um, it was great to see uh, the people that were here to love out in the neighborhood being uh, given popcorn and candy and just time to, to jump around on those jumping castles. And I saw some adults jumping around in the, especially the Batman and the Vertical Rush, they were, they were definitely doing that. But thank you guys for being here, fighting through the rain and getting here. Um, tonight, we, uh, before we start, I want to just take a couple moments um, and just kind of talk about what we've been about as a church. We're in a series called Disciple. Um, we have committed as a church to make disciples, uh, being a disciple, and making a disciple. And so um, that's what we're in the series where we're learning how to do and what that looks like through the, the book of Matthew. And so... Um, we're going to continue tonight. But Jack challenged us a couple weeks ago to go serve. Did anybody successful in that? Or got some moments in that? Yes? No? Well, we all chose, not maybe all, I looked from the south or something, y'all. Um, we chose to feed uh, the basketball players that play behind us in the gym and um, feed them hot dogs and Gatorades. And, and uh, some of them were uh, too healthy and they're like, we're trying to be healthy playing basketball. And I'm like, I get it. Give me another hot dog. Um, and so th the guy that's over there, his name is Jeff. He, is, um, he has been playing basketball um, since I've been in high school. Um, and he's been opening the gym for years and years and letting guys come in and play. And not, he doesn't preach at them. He, he breaks every once in a while and, they, and he tells them how to be good dads and what the Bible tells about that. And so he, um, I opened up the mail this week and there's this wonderful card. It's a beautiful card. Of a, of a cactus and a bird, and uh, I'm just going to highlight some of the things that he, he said, because it's always good to hear back, um, feedback from when you, when you serve. He said, your willingness to serve and uh, socialize with the guys from the, the open gym is a powerful witness. I am confident God will use the time on Sunday night to, in a powerful way. And it skips down a little bit. It was, a, it was super encouraging to me that other fellow believers believe in reaching out to guys that don't know who Christ is. They just come and play, but what they're really getting is an exposure to Jesus. And then it says, if all we do is impact a few of them for God, it has been time well spent. Thank you for spending your time and serving us here in the basketball. Jeff. So, absolutely. And so that, that, not only did we think we were doing something nice and encouraging them, but we encouraged a fellow believer in doing the work that he's doing. And that's what it's all about, is we are in the kingdom work of showing God's love throughout your workplace, through our families, and through here as a church. So tonight, we're, uh, we're going to continue that, or not. Well, we'll just put that back on there. Maybe not. Well, we may try a different way tonight. Oh, there we go. There we go. 
All right. And we just want to remember that our job as believers in Jesus Christ is to plant seeds, not to save hearts. That's not our rule. Our job is to plant seeds. Remember we talked about that earlier in the, in, the, in the sermon series is that we're out there planting seeds and they have different soils and everyone is different. And our job is just to live out um, what, have, what we have and God has for us. And so let's turn our scripture tonight. We're going to be in Matthew 22. Through th- uh, Matthew 22, 34 through 40, but we're going to spend some time in the first verse just. So you have to give him a moment to do that. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And I can't touch this stand or it's going to, I'm going to end up standing by myself. I should just get one of those on the waist and just holds the waist and just walks around where we I think there's a market for that. I think everybody, Matthew 22, 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. I just have to stop right there. I don't know, we're only one verse into it. And some of you may know what the, what the uh, Sadducees are and the Pharisees. But I'm to take a little bit of time, just kind of unpack that a little bit. Because it wasn't until I got a little bit older that I understood them a little bit and what their roles were. And so I'm just going to say... The Sadducees got silenced because in the, in the scriptures above, they tried to make a public uh, display of Jesus. They tried to challenge him in, in his, um, his thought process. And if you want to read that, you can read it. It's about 10 verses right above it. And um, Jesus responds and, um, in a very, very loving way, but he puts them in their place and they walk away because there's nothing they can do. And so this is where the Pharisees come in. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, they're religious parties in the day, if you can think. They're, they're the left and the right. The Sadducees thought of themselves as the conservatives, the priestly authority, the political power in Israel. This was because they only accepted the law of Moses, and, the, and they thought that was the only authority, and they rejected everything else. The law is what mattered to them. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were the middle class, the kind of like the businessmen or the leaders of the synagogue, and uh, more, more like common men that were just in the synagogue. In addition to the law of Moses, they were really big on look at what we're doing. Look at us and what we can do, and look at all the things that we can do and how we can do it. And they also taught that you have to follow over the 600 plus rules in the Torah. I can barely brush my teeth in the morning, let alone 600 rules of the Torah. And the Pharisees liked rituals, is what mattered most to them. Both were smug, self-righteous, and critical of Jesus. They were trying to jockey for position. They were trying to say, hey, this is what you should believe. This is what you should believe. And they tried different ways to trip up Jesus so they could gain more power and more influence in Israel. Very scaled down. There's more to that. But let's pick up on verse 35. One of them, an expert in the law, or we can just say a lawyer, because we love lawyers. I do. Don't think I don't. One of them, the expert of the law, tested him in question... Jesus and said this with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And in the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All with the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. What Jesus just said in those, in those, in those phrases, all the law prophets hang on these two commandments. These were completely opposite of to what the Pharisees and the Sadducees were believing to be true. They stood for the law and they stood for rituals. Jesus was saying, you guys missed the point. The main thing is, it's not the laws. It's not the rituals. It's the relationship. It's not the laws. It's not the rituals. It's the relationships. The relationships matter the most. Love matters the most. We like to make everything complicated as humans. We like to pontificate on this theology, on that theology, or argue about a bunch of non-essentials that don't mean anything about God's love for us. Jesus said, love God and love others. He didn't say, argue about loving people. He said, love God and love others. Jesus said, love others above all. Above all. And everything based on those two commandments, they are our foundation as we believe in Jesus Christ. Church, we cannot get this wrong. To live as a disciple of Jesus, as one who says, I follow Jesus, we have to love him and love others. Love matters. Have you figured out what we're talking about tonight? Love matters. Many of you are sitting right now, and you've probably heard, you heard this, and you're like, ah, that, that makes sense. That's, that, that's good. And, but the question really comes is, how do we live this out? How do we live out the love that Jesus has set out for us? If we love God, we could be thinking, but I don't want, I don't really give him the part of my life that I, I want to give up. I don't want to give him certain things. I don't, I don't believe he says he is who he says he is. And, and he says to love others, but I don't think he's talking about that person that I have to deal with on a regular basis. Or I can't handle those types of people. We don't really have a clear picture what love is spelled out right here. Or what kind of love Jesus is talking about right here. He says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. It's dry. Let's just take a, a few seconds and just think about that. Hang with me here. I'm a truck and car guy. Anybody with me? Love looking at vehicles, like, like looking at cars. I know at least there's four of you in this room because I've had conversations with you. 
I love looking at vehicles I, when they're in the car or if we're sitting, I'm waiting for the kids or school or in traffic. I'm always looking around to look new vehicles or new colors or new uh, adjustments to people make to vehicles. I just love it. I don't have the money to do it and buy new vehicles, but I like looking at it. Uh, so I guess it's safer that way. But I, I like looking at like car gurus and auto trader online and the classifieds back in the day. You, you know, open them up and they have little pictures of the cars and, and the little descriptions. I loved, I loved doing that. It's so cool that they describe, they describe their cars, the owners describe their cars in many different ways. I love it. It's, you know, the excellent is always the, 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 the chief one that everyone uses. You know, my car is excellent. It's excellent. Or they use like new, smells like new. All those, you know, words as you can see those uh, in the ads. Um, and then it moves to an, another category from the excellent to the, the fair. You know, the fair. And the, like if you do Kelly Blue Book, you, you know, your, your vehicle with certain has a slight ding in it or a slight scratch. It's, it's now fair, you know, and then the market value is a little lower because it's fair. It's not excellent. It's fair. And so, um, but the ones that really crack me up are these. This happens a lot on eBay. And it just fascinates me when you list, people are listing their cars for, um, for prices that don't have a transmission or don't have a motor. And they're, you know, they see a picture of the car and it says, um, for sale, no transmission. I'm like, um, okay. Or they'll say, pretty good interior. If they're relying on their interior, that means the exterior probably just blew away with rust. So I thought to myself, do people really buy these as-is cars? Do people take their hard-earned money and go out and spend, like, the response? Like, I wanted to go call the people and say, how many hits have you had on this phone call? Like, on this ad, because do people buy as-is? Without engines, without transmissions, exter exteriors, who knows what's happened to them. And the only thing that's left the uses for these are spare parts. Again, I love cars. So a while back, my family's, we have three kids and um, we always have people with us and things like that. So I was out looking for a brand new minivan. And um, not a brand new, brand new to us, slightly used, hopefully in the excellent category, but on the cheap side of things. And so we, uh, I was driving by a dealership and we saw a used one. It had 3,000 miles on it. It looked great outside, had a good price on it. And so I pulled in. I said, you know what? I want to talk to the salesman about it. So we started talking, and he mentioned that the previous owner didn't really care for the car too much. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, everyone has their thing, their car thing. And so he, then he began to continue. He said they made the, the car manufacturer buy it back from them because they didn't like it in the way it ran, and they made them buy it under the lemon law. I didn't think about that car any longer. I didn't, even, I didn't even ask to look inside. I said, I'm out. I'm out. If someone sold their car back to the manufacturer because of the lemon law, I don't want anything to do with it. Why would I buy a car up front knowing it was a lemon? You there with me? Anybody with me? No thanks. Not interested. Don't waste my time. This makes absolute sense to me why I wouldn't buy a lemon. Agreed or disagree? Thank you. That's all I need. So I walked off the lot and I was thinking, 
we, we fit into that a little bit. But the love that Jesus is talking about, the love only comes from him, is called agape. Is the kind of love that doesn't make sense. It's supernatural. Because the amazing thing about God is that he only, not only, it's not only that he loves us, but he loves us as is. He loves us as is. Not only does God buy us, even through our being a lemon, being rotten in and out, nobody pays, but he pays top price. Is that not amazing? We're a lemon. He knows that we're a lemon, and he's willing to pay top price in the excellent category for us. Nobody pays top price for an as-is car. Nobody goes and buys a lemon knowingly and pays full book price for it. Much less pays above the sticker value. And yet, that is precisely what the love of God has done for us. He paid the highest price. He paid the price of his own son. He paid the price for his own Son. That is what agape love is. It's outrageous. It's outrageous love. It's not natural behavior. It's not natural to love someone who doesn't love you. It's not natural to love someone who doesn't love you. It's not natural to give you your best when you can get by with doing less. It's not natural to love someone who doesn't even care. And it's not natural to give everything when there is absolutely no guarantee that you'll receive anything in return. It's not natural. It's supernatural. And that's how God loves us. God stands like this, arms open wide and says, I'm all in. He loves us this kind of sacrifice. How do we handle that? How do we respond? What do we do with it? What difference does that make in our lives? Well, this love is the best we can get. It's the best we can get. And it's also the best that we can give. Loving others means loving them as is. It means loving the lemons because we have received this kind of sacrificial love. It means loving them even if they hate us. Just recycle that one for a second. It means loving them even if they hate us. It means loving them on the basis of love that comes out of us rather than if anything is attractive about them or we can get something out of that relationship or their behavior. And it means loving them whether they want to be loved or not. It is the greatest opportunity that we have 
because this is our opportunity that we can have God's love completed in us. In John, in 1 John 4.12, it says this, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. 1 John 4.12. Let me read it again. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. The way people can see God is when they see the love of God in us. With how we have relationships with others. It lives out as we interact with others. God's love is completed in us when they see it in us. Christmas is coming. It's my favorite time of year because it's my birthday around. Even though I'm getting older and sometimes birthdays, you know, like, eh, all right, cool. One part of, part of Christmas that I love is Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. I love driving around town and seeing how people decorate their lights and decorate their trees and, and go, go crazy. And so it, re- it reminded me, it's, it's like the Christmas lights when the electricity goes on and it goes through one of the light bulbs. It, it goes through and lights up the bulb, right? And then it goes on to the next one, lights up that bulb, and goes on and on and on and on, right? Until the whole stream of lighting is, is up, and it's bright, and it's pretty, and it's gorgeous. As it flows to one light, to, to the next light, to the next light. Not only does that light pass to each other, but it, it lights up, and then it goes on to the next one. As it flows, not only did each of those lights uh, put out those lights, but the entire circuit is completed and the string of lights is bright. If there's a light that is loose or the filament is broken, then it receives the power, but it doesn't really pass on the brightness to the rest. In the same sense, God has wired us. He has wired us to receive the love of God, but he's also wired us to pass it on to others. He, we've been re- receive it. We are wired to receive it. And then we are also wired to give it and pass it on to others. That is why the verse in the Bible says, His love is made complete in us. That is what is so amazing. We not only get to love God, but we also give the love of God, completing the circuit. Not only be loved, but to love as God has loved us. Jesus said, getting and giving love. Hmm. That's pretty intense. Jesus said, getting and giving love is the greatest evidence that a person is a follower of Jesus Christ. The greatest indicator of if you have a relationship with Jesus or that you're a follower of Jesus is how you deal with love. How you get it and how you give it. People determine about who you serve by how you love. We can know a bunch of facts about the Bible. We could list them all out. We could follow all the rules, but we could still miss the main 
thing. Are we going to be disciples? Are we going to follow what Jesus is living out? Are we going to follow what Jesus, who Jesus is? He's love. And he's saying, I know I am loved. I know I am loved by a God. That this is how I want to live my life. Hands open. Arms open. Or do I want to live my life with crossed arms? With conditions on my love? With expectations on my love? And we don't want to give away anything. We don't want to give love away. Even though we've received and we've been wired with the power of God's love. Are we going to be disciples? Are we going to let our energy, our spirit, our mind, our life follow and chase after and love God so that we can love others? Just the picture that I want to leave. We're going to go into communion, and I want to just... We're simple. It's, this is simple in its context. Love God, love others. All the other things are under that. You can debate it theology, and it's all going to fall back to love God, love others. As we go into communion, I want you to reflect on your posture, on are you in your life, are your arms stretched out wide, loving people around you, being willing to, to give what has been given to you? Are you standing with your hands crossed with expectations like, I'm not, I'm doing, I'm not doing that. And so I'm just going to read a prayer over all of us. I'd just like you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just take some time to reflect about that posture of arms out wide, hands crossed, Where is your heart really at? How do you really want to reflect love to those around you? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you now as, as your, your love and you say, and Jesus was talking about love you with all our heart, mind, and soul. And the next commandment is love others. Maybe I, God, I, I don't know if there's people in this room right now that maybe have never experienced the love of Christ. The cross, you, the cross that you died on. And maybe they don't believe that, that God loves like you love as is. That they don't need to clean up. They don't need to be perfect, shiny on the outside, but dying on the inside. That you love them 
completely. If you're in that space right now where the Spirit's telling you, yeah, I, 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 I want to know love like that. I want to know what love looks like completely. I want to know what that, what that feels like, what that, what that is. Uh, I'm just going to say a prayer, and um, you can just follow it with me. Um, it's nothing fancy. It says, Lord, I want to know this kind of love. I want to ask you to come into my heart and to be my Lord and Savior and the Savior of my life. Jesus, do with me what you will. And there may be others in the room. Maybe you need to think about what is blocking you from loving the lemons or the perceived lemons in your life. The things that we put in our ways that we don't have to, that we don't have to love. Maybe you need to repent, speak this time before communion to repent or confess bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, disappointment, laziness, whatever Jesus is laying on your heart. Maybe it's control. Maybe just set control at the heart and just say, I I can't control anything, Jesus. I need to give that to you. Maybe for the rest of us, it's, maybe it's time to stop being comfortable and only loving those around you that are like you or that are easy to love. Maybe ask God to open your eyes to break your heart for what breaks his. Maybe you uh, need to ask him to, to pull your arms out wide because you've crossed them so long that they're just stuck. And you need him to yank them open so that his love can flow through you. Jesus, move in us. Spirit, come in us. You know exactly where each one of us is, whether we're being arms crossed and and pushing you away or not willing to, to open up to the love that we've received from you. Lord, I ask every single person in this room, Lord, that you will disturb them where they sit, where they stand, where their heart is, or where they are at right now. that you'll disturb our path, our habits, our thinking. And what we thought love is, if we've been damaged or hurt or just absolutely been abused, Lord, just come and speak to them in their heart, in their moment. Just touch their heart right now. Lord, there's a reason why you said these two commandments. Because above all things, you are God and you are good. You are consistent. You are true. You never change. You never move. You're there day in, day out. And Lord, that's the love that I am so glad that I get to interact with. The consistency of that. 
And Lord, thank you for allowing me and our church and these people to experience that kind of love. And Lord, thank you for loving us as is with all of our warts, all with our rust, all our broken windows, bad interiors, exteriors, everything that goes on. Lord, thank you for loving us as is. And Lord, thank you that you're a God that loves and that we get to love others with your kind of love. Lord, if we try to love with our love, we'll be empty. We're broken. And Lord, thank you that we get to love others. And those are the two things that we need to focus on. If we're stumbling around and not knowing what the will is of you, is to love, to love others, to love you completely, wholeheartedly with all of our heart, mind, and soul. And to love others with that same kind of outrageous, crazy love. And as you feel moved to take communion tonight, we have stations down front, stations in the back. As you take communion, think about what God has on your heart. What's he saying to you? It may be hard hearing his voice, but listen, he'll speak to you. Think about the posture of your life. Are your hands wide open, letting the love come in and the love go out? Or are you squeezing off and only taking? And then when you feel moved, Dan will continue to play the guitar. Um, just continue just to take communion like normally do, knowing that the love that he had for us is represented in the, in the, in the juice of the blood that was covered our sins and the body in the cracker of his, his, that was broken and sacrificed for us, for you.